wonderful. Amen. Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord again tonight, as always. Uh, we have a special speaker here tonight. Jesus is going to be here. Just imagine the living, risen Lord Jesus Christ has promised to be here with us. And he's here. And so as we come to all of the services, we anticipate a relationship with him to be deepened. And all of his promises are just right ready to be given to us from us, from him to us. Amen. Well, I want to greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and thank Brother Ed and Brother Tom for the confidence that in, of inviting me to speak tonight. And uh, so here we are. Let's stand together, if you will. There's a chorus I'd like to sing. <clears throat> uh, behold, I live, behold, I live, behold, I live forevermore. It's in the key of F. John was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and he heard a voice from heaven. Hallelujah. So we're going to try to sing that a little bit, impromptu. Behold, I live, behold, I live. his wonderful name. So John was in the spirit on the Lord's day. That's a good place to be tonight, is in the spirit. As the prophet said, that's what we always want to be, is in the spirit. Whatever we're doing, make sure that we're in the spirit. The leadership of the spirit, the presence of his spirit, and the continuation in following him. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we can certainly say that because of our experience in living in this life, all that you've done for us, and all that you mean to us, and giving us revelation as to who you are. We thank you for that, Lord Jesus, our Heavenly Father. And we pray that you'll bless in the service tonight. We've all come together to meet with you, and I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will increase our faith, take away all unbelief, so that we'll have a free access into all your promises 
for they are yes, and they are everlasting and eternal, and it's an amen. So be it, Lord. In Jesus' name we ask this, amen. Amen. Remain standing. We are going to read some scripture readings um, out of the first chapter of Revelation. And then I'll take a portion of one verse as our text. Thank you, musicians. This is Revelation chapter 1. And I'm reading verses 4 through 6. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you. And peace from him which is, and which was, and which is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, who is begotten begotten of the dead. And the prince of the kings of the earth. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Verse 8, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Verse 10 and 11, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and heard behind me a great voice as a, of a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book. And we'll conclude there and go down to verse 17 and 18. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Our specific text is in uh, verse 18. The Lord Jesus saying, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. Now imagine, this is John. This may be the first time that he has seen this one since he saw him ascend in the midst of about 500 people. And at this experience that he's had, this is, the, this is the one coming to John, speaking to him, appearing to him. When I seen him, I fell as dead. So John seen him on the cross and said, woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. What a, what a sight. And then seven days later, the, it is John um, in the group when Jesus appears to ten. And a week later, when he appears to the eleven. 
um, the emotions that he might be feeling. To see this one, not just in a glorified condition, but he recognized who it was. It wasn't just the awesomeness of, say, the pillar of fire and the great light about the Lord, but he recognized him. He knew him personally, and this was an intimate relationship. So you may be seated. Amen. Now this one, Jesus Christ, he is here tonight. He is here. That same one that we read about here in Revelation. He's here, literally. Literally, the risen Lord Jesus Christ is here. Now, you can't see his fleshly body, and he's not going to touch the earth. He's not going to put feet down here. You say, well, just he knows what's going on. He said he would be here. Where two or three are gathered together in his name, he said, lo, I am in the midst of you. I'm there. Now, that's a literal presence of this deity one that is called the Almighty. So there's not three gods. Jesus is the Almighty. Amen. So he did not die again. He was up, up and away. And after 40 days, he went to the right hand of the Father to intercede there for us upon our confession. So this one, Jesus Christ, is the one mediator between God and men, between God and man, mankind, just one mediator. There's not two men. There's no one you can, you can't go through a minister, a pastor, an evangelist. You can't go through them. If you're going to have direct contact with God, you need to go through Jesus Christ. <coughs> because as we also read, it was by the, his shedding of his own blood that he purchased us and bought us. No other religion, including the idolatry of Islam, can give this, as they still await for the resurrection of Muhammad. But Christ rose. There's an empty tomb and I doubt if it's where the Catholics say it is. You know, I'm sure they've missed it on all of their buildings. But he did die for our sins. And as the scripture says, God says, There is no God beside me, saith the Lord God. So when you think of who he is, and he's with us, He's just mingling in, coming down your row, coming down the pew where you're sitting. And this building is filled with angels. These are holy angels. The, they're not second rate. These are the ones that kept their first estate. When the war came, a third were cast out, Satan and his portion, but the rest of them, they stayed. And when you read through the book of Revelation, it talks about angels in heaven and angels and angels. These are holy angels. <clears throat> These are the ones that won the battle before it hit planet Earth. These are esteemed angels. They're not second rate. They're so involved with us, I'm not going to be saying, step aside, here comes the bride. Those angels are about us on our journey. They're esteemed 
creatures of God that kept their first estate. We're on our way back to our first estate. That's in God's mind. We haven't gotten there yet. We've been born again, filled with the Spirit, got a down payment on it all, walking in the Spirit. God sends His Word, and we believe it, and that's the evidence. Do we believe? Do we believe? Get ahead of myself there. Jesus Christ is alive in His bride. That's my title this evening. Jesus Christ Himself is alive in his bride, in his body. There's only one body of Christ and God on earth today, and that's a word body. And we're baptized by the Holy Ghost, by the Spirit of God, into that word body, word by word. And tonight we will be emphasizing his grace when we speak of him being alive in his bride. And then there's other aspects. But we'll try to bring most of that. We have been forgiven. And we have been justified. And if she sins, we have an advocate with the Father, even Jesus Christ the righteous, if we would sin. And that happens. All of us are testimony to that. And if we sin. So then she is accepted, this bride. And grace is applied because she obeys his word and abides in his word. This grace is sovereign with God by his choice. The process of recognizing who you are began when you were a child. Maybe a young boy or girl, maybe in your teens, and you realize there's something different. And you came up topsy-turvy and this way and that way, and as they say, going sideways a lot of times in your life. But in it all, you were in the process of recognizing who you were. And there could be many illustrations along that way. And so in time, it was like coming to yourself. And then you meeting your theophany. And there's many things said and thought about that. But it is a word theophany. It's the real you. And this is where you're meeting it. You had to make a decision. You had to make a decision, and it wasn't when you were in Pentecost, the denominations, or the Catholic Church. There was no decision there like the decision you had to make when you met Christ, the living Word, by His only prophet and spokesperson in this end time, Brother William Branham. The simple plan of salvation is only message-related. So many have said, well, we got to get them to Christ first, and then we'll introduce the message. <coughs> this is Christ. This message, not the portion that all of us had before we heard the message, but this is the Christ. 
And this is the message. The only thing that the sons and daughters of God are looking for is this. So it doesn't matter what you begin with. It could be marriage and divorce tape. It could be serpent seeds doctrine. It could be water baptism. It could be something else. But that's not going to offend the, offend the elect of God. This is all they're looking for. If you go that route of reasoning it, you just wouldn't witness to anybody. You'd have to figure out now, what do I need to impress them with first about this message? It, just whatever. Just share it with them. Be polite. Be courteous. Be friendly. Smile. And then see what they do with the Christ of this end time. Amen. Now, knowing your function in the body of Christ is important. And that's something in this process and journey of life that you need to find out. It's something that you don't know right off. Not even a minister when he's young, maybe he's 16. I was 16 when I began ministering. I didn't know, am I going to be an evangelist, a pastor? What am I going to do in life? And so most young people, when they get to that, if they're serving the Lord and they feel a call to the ministry, well, they don't know what they're going to be. See? Um, So you're in a process. And you need to know in time what your function is in the body of Christ. How you're going to relate to the other sons and daughters of his in this body. And then also, you will be placed by the Holy Spirit. It won't be at a Bible college or you making, well, I think I should do this. Yeah, I'm taking piano lessons, and so I'll make a good pianist. And Well, it doesn't work that way. And then you can't be coveting another's part. They've got a part, too. And you see they're doing their part, and you say, oh, they're doing that so good. I would like to do that. Even Brother Branham mentions about his feelings sometimes toward Oral Roberts and Billy Graham and said, uh, you know, that would be nice to be doing that, but he wasn't called to do that. Um, He felt very belittled when he was in Tulsa and visited the other buildings of the denominations at that time. Another thing in finding your way and your function is to be faithful to fulfill God's purpose for your life. Uh, You don't want to jump ship when you see him directing and you know it's God's will, and then sometime later in five or ten years say, well, maybe that wasn't God. Well, that's what people do with the message that are not sons and daughters of God. They say, well, maybe it's not right. And they go off somewhere. And they're supposed to do that. But those that are sons and daughters of God, they stick there. They grow there. Nothing will alter them. They won't just give up and all go to the world and then maybe I'll come back. You know, there's something in them if they've received the Holy Spirit fullness in their life. It holds them. (coughs) Hallelujah. And also abiding in fruits and The Spirit, love, tolerance, and peace, just abiding in Him. So that sets the scene of our backgrounds. 
of where we've come from, from sin and denominations, into Christ. And of course, we must receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which I'll speak on a little later. So we are saved by God's grace, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace are you saved. Through faith, and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then in 2 Peter 3.18, we grow. As Peter said, but grow in grace. Grace is a big part of our lives. And it's a lot more than just a song that the modernists can sing. Kind of religious, you know. Amazing grace. Sometimes you wonder if that's the only one they do know. Maybe the old rugged cross. But, you know, it's just something for the occasion for the denominational. But for us, it's a depth that he bought us. And his grace picked us up. Fallen man, there is none good, no, not one. None are righteous. None seek after God, the scriptures say. God's seeking after us, and he found us. Praise his wonderful name. So in growing in grace, uh, Peter said, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then I like that one in James 4, 6. And that's where it says, he gives more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. That thought he giveth more grace. When more grace is needed, <coughs> he gives more grace. And he multiplies it. He gives more grace when it's needed. More grace is given when more grace is needed. More grace is needed when you have an unsaved husband or an unsaved wife. God gives more grace. You don't know how you're going to get through it. You don't have all the answers. You talk to the ministers, okay? Then you go home with an unsaved husband and unsaved wife. Then you have to go through living life, right? So that's where you need the grace. The grace is like the oil of the Holy Ghost, just smoothing the way, something that we don't deserve or earn. God just gives it, and he promises to keep giving it. More grace is needed when you have wayward children. If you have unsaved parents or relatives, godless business associates, you need more grace. If you're an orphan or a widow or a widower, you need more grace. You have a loss of a physical limb, which most of us, that hasn't occurred to us. But a person, a believer, would need more grace in a time like that. Maybe at your school, maybe to be with your classmates at college or another type of school. The pressures of this end time requires more grace. 
Disappointments you have require more grace. And then life's burdens requires more grace. It'll never be depleted, as you well know. <coughs> more grace is needed when living in a city. Now, let me read that one for you. Brother Branham said, you people here in Chicago has a harder time living your Christian faith than the man would out on the prairie somewhere in the western plain where he doesn't see the things and the corruption and violence that you have to look at each day in Chicago. Therefore, the prophet said, takes greater grace and power to keep you from the things of the world. And I continue quoting, he has one little church setting out somewhere. Him and his family drives for many miles to go to on a Sunday morning. He probably doesn't see anybody else until the circuit rider uh, carries by when they meet again. Here every day, you are meeting with conflict on every hand. And the devil trying to persuade you this way and that way. It's a battle every hour of your life. And the host pastor, Brother Matson Bose, said, A good one, though. Hallelujah. Brother Branham answered back, We got a great victory. Amen. A great victor. Amen. That's in Perseverance in 62 in Chicago. More grace is needed when you have no believers to fellowship with. Some of you may have experienced that in the past. Maybe you wouldn't have any. Or maybe you could find a dozen in your area. And then we all know that quote that's quoted so often from the oncoming storm. The prophet said, I have ex exhausted his mercy many times, but I never can exhaust his grace. So true. God keeps holding on. Isn't that wonderful? Something keeps holding me. You've all experienced that. Something is holding you, not just your mind. Well, I can get through this and do this, and yes, I've prayed, and I've read my Bible, and I hear your prophet, and I go to church, and I'm still struggling with a certain thing. God isn't going to give up on you. It's not how strong you are physically, and his Holy Spirit in you beats every enemy. Because that Holy Spirit is Jesus Christ. I will come to you. I will be with you. I will be within you. <coughs> Hallelujah. I want to commend you. Commendations in the name of Jesus Christ for being true to him.
in this perverse age, whether it's in the prairie or whether it's in a small city or a town somewhere or a college, the filth that's in this world. So God bless you, the men and women. God bless you, brothers and sisters in Christ. I commend you, sisters, for not looking like the world. Something, I was listening to a tape of the prophet and and directed to, to read some of these matters this evening. Um, Brother, Brother Branham, in God's only provided place of worship, 65 in Shreveport, he was talking about every dot, every jot, you must be faithful in. Every word of God. And the Lord's, the Lord's patient with us. Isn't that true? He's long-suffering with us. And we're either going to end up yielding and believing <clears throat> or turning him down. That'd be a dreadful mistake. And so he talks about a chain being the strongest, where its weakest, weakest link is. Because when that gives way, then you've broke the chain. He said, blessed are they that do all the commandments of God, that they might have a right to enter in, do all God said, and it said for women to have long hair. Now, that's been discussed, you know, and argued about, and mostly women that would argue against it, unless they just accept it. Say. But the... For them to have long hair, in one sense, is not the real issue. There are some tribes in Africa that the hair doesn't get very long on the sisters. The main emphasis by Paul and Brother Branham is don't cut your hair. Do not cut it. That's a must. Because that is God's choice. It's, it's the bridegroom, Jesus Christ that desires the long hair on his daughters. That's the way he likes it. That's the way he wants it. It's her glory. And when God sees that, he's glorified because the person is doing it that way. You know, no denomination or church or minister or individual set this up, including William Branham, did not set this up this way. Neither did Paul set it up this way. God has a mind. And so I, I've answered questions and dealt with that and other issues for, since 1970. On answering questions by the message in Africa, Asia, Australia, Canada, America. People write in, where did the prophet, what about this and what about that? Where did the prophet say this and where did he say that? It's very clear. You go to the, you listen to the tapes, and we're believers, so we want to hear what God is saying to this planet, and everyone on the planet gets the message from this messenger. It comes to the elect, and it goes to the lost that refuse it. This message is the last words that God has for planet Earth and all of its inhabitants. 
God's been very merciful in tarrying this long. And so Brother Branham went on to say in paragraph 96, he said, do all God said, and it said for women to have long hair. You say, a man told me, and then Brother Branham saying, a man told me not long ago said, I don't preach a clothesline religion. And I said, then you're not preaching the gospel. So that's part of it. See, the, the ministry and the church does not set up the rules, this, the do's and the don'ts and the rules and this. It's very simple. God gets one man in his control, one man, and that's called his prophet. He's done it in the Old Testament, and he done it in the New Testament with Paul and with William Branham. That's God's way. He does nothing but what he reveals his secrets unto his servants, the prophet. In that age and for that time that he wants to deliver his thoughts. The Bible is his thoughts. And we find out in Revelation um, 10.7 that... Brother Branham didn't come to bring us a new message. He has come to declare unto us who God is and what he is and all about him. When the seventh angel shall begin to sound, then he's going to tie up the loose ends that's been lost down through the ages. And all that, he, all that God has said to his servants, the prophets... All through the Old Testament. So that's established that it's not a new message. You take even serpent seed. The Jews understood that. Jesus understood that. Paul understood that. If you question that, then read John chapter 8 and see the discourse going on between Jesus and the Pharisees that understood the subject. And they clearly understood where Jesus was taking them in their admission that of them saying that we have no other father except Abraham. Abraham's our father. And they go clear back to the beginning and using the word fornication. They are not in fornication to anything. They're claiming to be the direct son of Adam that had come. Well, so with this... Here, Brother Branham said, then you're not preaching the gospel. So we find out that God has some thoughts. Well, he, he should get a vote. Do, does God get a vote in anything? Does, does his... Opinion matter? It's paramount. There's no other thought coming. Only what God says. And he's very kind and nice about it. But that's it. There's no wiggle room. No exceptions. I, like on the cutting of hair. I've heard it all, as these ministers have too. The women, they'll, they'll take scissors and cut it. Or, no, they might burn it with a flame. Oh, yes. 
Yeah, because of the cracked ends, you know, we got split ends and it'll grow longer and faster. You know, all this that the beauty salon will tell God's daughters. There's other ways. Just let it grow. Don't break it. Don't cut it. Don't burn it. Just let it grow. How long is long? That doesn't matter. Don't cut it. And you see them block it off. You see them torture their hair. What is this? Are we a denomination? Has it come to that? That we can, well, if so-and-so is doing it, well, who's so-and-so? Is that Jesus Christ? Is that God? Is that the prophet to the age? So-and-so said it was okay. Well, so-and-so's wife does it, so it must be all right. It doesn't work that way. We are not of this world, and we should never become comfortable with the nature of this world. His grace is sufficient. Hallelujah. And then I was listening to another tape, and Brother Branham is speaking about tight clothing on women. You know, everything tries to creep in, doesn't it? If it's not one thing, it's another thing. And Satan has a way. He, he, he likes to do that because he wants to destroy the Word of God. If he can wiggle in and get somebody's mind that's influential with so-and-so, then it just begins. It just begins. So in here, a thinking man's filter, that's a good one to hear. Thinking man's filter, as well as the flashing red light of the sign of his coming. The prophet said if she's got bobbed hair, wearing makeup, shorts, pants, slacks, looks like man's, all these slacks and ever what they call them, saying those kind of things and doing those things and living for the world. She'll stop. She can't get through that filter of the word. Yeah, I got another page. So in paragraph 153, Brother Bam said, could you imagine a man letting his wife cut her hair or wear shorts or slacks? And say he's coming through a thinking man's filter. Could you imagine a man doing a thing like that? Well, you can say it with grace, brother. You don't need a baseball bat. And if you do it in the love of God, it doesn't mean she's going to stop it. But there's a way to do it in following the Holy Spirit in your life. In paragraph 153, he, he said what I just read, paragraph 155, and some of these women on the platform with their dresses above their knees and cut so tight and short shows every form, every move they make, and their underneath clothes showing through their dresses, just as bad as wearing shorts, bikinis, or anything else. Well, I guess I should read it, since I heard it this week, and you wanted me to. So tight-fitting clothes is not proper. We could go down for the men as well. 
There's one thing about the haircut of a man. You've heard a lot of things. The three things that Brother Branham says on three different tapes. He says that the men's haircut, it shouldn't, their hair should not be on their forehead, down on their forehead, shouldn't be over their ears, and shouldn't be down over their uh, uh, shirt collar. Well, that's pretty basic if you want to do it that way. So the prophet goes on, wearing slacks, shorts, a woman cutting her hair. Could you imagine a man allowing her to do that? And say he's coming through a thinking man's field, or could you imagine a man doing anything like that? He says, can you imagine a preacher? And he goes, uh, hits on the preacher as well. And then mix bathing, he says you shouldn't mix bathe. And then he says in paragraph 155, and some of those women on the platform with their dresses above their knees and cut so tight and shows every form, every move they make, and their underneath clothes showing through their dresses. Just as bad as wearing shorts, bikinis, or anything else. Now, you wouldn't think of wearing shorts in here. You would not think of wearing a bikini in here. But the prophet said that it's just as bad to have a form-fitting dress. Usually the A-line cut. I had daughters too. And they make sewing machines. And when you begin to see some of that, say, around this church, are you going to be influenced that way? Or are you going to stay with what the prophet said? Are you going to find yourself in the comfort of the Word of God? And that should be easy. That is easy to a believer. <coughs> in the same message, paragraph 159, he says, your clothes so tight, pushed out in the back and front, your body is a sacred order or a sacred cast that God has given you. Before you enter the street dressed like that, pass your mind through a thinking woman's filter. And let it remember that whosoever looks upon you to lust after you, you have committed adultery with him already. Now the prophet puts the blame on the woman. But not the world. If you hear in the news it's been going on for months, it's always the man that's guilty. Doesn't matter how the women dress and how they act, but it's immoral. We are not to become custom to the world, to the things of the world. We are of another people. We are of another nation. And so if Brother Branham, God's prophet, never said it, we wouldn't know it. If the ministers never hit on it, then the families don't know it. If the mothers and the fathers don't hit on it in their own homes, the children won't know They'll think, well, I could just live loose, you know, to kind of get by on it. But all of us are in the same boat. You like that one? We're in the same boat. You know, you get out of the, the ship of grace. You paddle your own canoe. But with this ship, we're going to make the progress all the way to the rapture. Hallelujah. And there's some in the world that they don't cut their hair. I've seen them. 
They don't cut their hair, but you bring the word of God to them and they would reject it. God has desires. What he thinks about everything is paramount to his sons and daughters. Amen. It's not necessary to experience the attributes of sin. That's not necessary. We were all born in sin, shaped in iniquity. All of us. Whatever our backgrounds were, we were born in sin. We came into the world lying. Mom and Dad had to correct us. That's a tough one, lying. Preaching against the attributes of sin, the whole list of don'ts. So this message is not a don't, 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 do, do, do. It's a letter of love from your heavenly Father. But there are rules. And like I said earlier, we didn't make up the rules. The children don't make the rules. And no minister is ever going to be your father. You will never be father. In God's eyes, we will always be his sons and his daughters. We will always be his children that he has begotten by his own word, impregnating us by that living word. So although we don't have a a list of do's and don'ts, there are things that need to be addressed. And the only sin there is, as the prophet said, is unbelief. Unbelief in God's word is the only sin that there is. Not even adultery. Adultery is doing the right act with the wrong person. And he said even that is sin, but it's caused by unbelief. You have to turn the word down to do that. And that was the first sin. The first sin was unbelief. She had, Eve had to set aside God's word, what he thought about it. And when she set aside what God thought about it, And what God had said, she just was open for anything. She had to disbelieve first. That was the sin. And the adultery, physical adultery, was the attribute, the manifestation of her unbelief. And so is it with all things that our bodies or our spirits participate into that's wrong. It's always turning aside the Word of God first. And we all know that. So the original sin, unbelief in God's Word, the message was, you're not going to have this by sex. That was seemingly negative message. 
but it was a negative thing. And they did not know by experience the pleasure of it. God said, you don't do that. God said, you just eat it from the tree of life. And by eating of the tree of life, in time, there would have come the spoken word for children. But that was set aside, and so the permissive will is done. The, uh, the, per- the permissive will of God allowing children to come the way they did. And Brother Branham said that. I don't know why I'm on that. That's not my notes. So Brother Branham said that Eve took the permissive will of God and not the perfect will of God. So bringing that into focus to today, neither do our children... Or the adults need to experience the world or the attributes of sin in order to stay with the word. No adult, no child that's raised in the message needs to taste of the attributes of sin. If they open their hearts up and they receive the word of God, then God will come into that person with a new birth and an infilling of his Holy Spirit, he doesn't have to go to the world and then repent. I want to, in that line... Uh, touch on the subject of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Brother Branham, in the message, there is only one way provided by God for anything. I love that message. Whatever the subject is, God has only one provided way to do it. And you find out what that spoken word is, and then we do it that way. So in this message here, he says, a man came to me yesterday... This is in paragraph 160 from there is only one way provided by God for anything. And that is in Chicago, also 1963-07-31. He says, a man came, come to me yesterday. He said, I got a boy 16, Brother Branham. I got a boy 12. He's got two sons. I take them on the street, these little street uh, strip teases out here. He said, the boys... They are their little males, he said. What can I tell them? Brother Branham said, sir, I don't know. Now you wonder why you don't know. So let me read his next sentence. I said, sir, I don't know. So it's okay not to know. You can find out. He said, take them to Christ and let them get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, when I first heard that, when I was editing that, that sermon there in, in Chicago, well, on Chicago, I was in Jeffersonville, and I heard Brother Branham say that, 
You know, you have to take them to Christ. How do you do that? And then, then he's got to get saved. How do you do that? And then you get them filled with the Holy Ghost. How do you do that? Brother Branham said he could not give you the Holy Ghost. Brother Neville could not. A minister can't give you the Holy Ghost. Only God can give you that portion that is himself. The fullness of his spirit in your life. That comes directly from God. It doesn't come when you first believe the message. Brother Branham made that very clear that you do not receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost when you believe. And he didn't say, just believe there. But when you believe the truth, the question would be, but now have you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Much like Abraham was saved by grace, our father Abraham of the Old Testament in type. And yet God gave him the circumcision sign that God had received him. So based on that, about this father, and I was editing the book, and that really struck me. How do I get them filled with the Holy Ghost? So then I had to go to all the other places the prophet spoke of this great experience. And I seen that if you're going to bring them to Christ, they have to come where the Word is. Then they can meet Christ. That would be at a good home church, wouldn't it? That would be at a good home church that preaches this message, and they're introduced to Christ. You're raising them here. They're among you. They're in your home now. And so we're thankful for that. But that was the first step that I seen in my concept of it. How do you get them filled? And then he spoke many, many things about the baptism and how to receive the Holy Ghost. And he didn't say it on that one night in December 59, but he did on many of the other tapes. Many, many things he said. <clears throat> so I seen from all that the prophet was saying, they needed to be in an atmosphere. And an atmosphere. So you bring them to an atmosphere. For example, in, in a church like this, as well, that they preach the message. And then they're in an atmosphere. They're seeing that atmosphere, not just in a full gospel businessmen's meeting. That was an atmosphere for Rebecca. And Brother Branham said, I want her in services like this. Because I want her to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So he took her. That rode with Brother Branham in the car all the time. But there was something about being with other believers... And where the word is preached. So I seen it was an atmosphere. To have the children. You're there. You take the children there. And the presence of God comes down. And they sing songs. And they worship the Lord. Just like we do in this church. 
worshiping God and praising God and the service, and then the, the word is coming, it's soaking in. Then after we're all dismissed, sometimes there's lingering. <clears throat> You're letting it soak in deeper. You're not running out, oh, we're all up and out of here now, and we're just chattering. No, there's many that remain, don't they? I wonder why they're remaining. Because they want to be in the presence of the Lord, in an atmosphere, and let what they've heard from the, the Word of God and the message of the hour to soak into their hearts. And Brother Branham more than once has illustrated that you could take an eagle egg and put it under a chicken and it'll hatch, or under a puppy, and it'll hatch. Praise the Lord. Our children can hatch. So that area of the baptism of the Holy Ghost then. So I just, I don't know if I'll get through my notes tonight. So I'm going to mention something more on that. Uh, P Peter gave the prescription for receiving the Holy Ghost, didn't he? <clears throat> we all know that very easily. Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and you shall receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You, re you receive. Now, two things I'll say concerning that. The first is... Every move of God is characterized by God speaking. There's a message that comes. For example, Jesus spent three and a half years with the disciples. And he was teaching them, instructing them. And that was the message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he told them, he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. And all the denominational said that's when they got it. But they didn't. That was just a promise, the prophet said, that the Holy Ghost was coming. And they needed to go to the upper room and tarry there. But after that day of Pentecost, there was no more tarrying, Brother Branham said. No more tarrying or waiting for the Holy Ghost. And you know as well as I do, people linger and they wait and they go weeks and they go months and they say, oh, God, give me the Holy Ghost, baptize me. There's no waiting after that. They waited there because that was the message that God, Christ, had spoke to the apostles. You go up there and you wait. Wait for what? Well, wait for Jesus Christ to come. He went away in a bodily form, and he came back in a spirit form, the Holy Ghost, in those people. Now when, then the second message was Peter, when they all said these are drunk, and then Peter said, well, they're not drunk. You can see it's only nine o'clock in the morning, so they're not drunk, but this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. After he preached his sermon, very, very wonderful message. Then many of them said, well, what, 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 what should we do? What, what should we do to be saved? 
So you see, being saved and filled with the Holy Ghost is attached to a message. Jesus had a message, and they waited for it. Then these others said, what can we do? They didn't ask, we want to speak in tongues. We want to be able to prophesy and, and proclaim these good, wonderful things that these other men and women are proclaiming in a testimonial way. And they're just, in a sense, testifying, telling of these glorious things of God. They never asked for that. They said, what can we do to be saved? So the message was bringing a repentance. And that's when Peter said that. He said, you've got to repent. Now, I've looked at this message for years. Looked at it, you know, you, you hone in on it like. Why are so many people without the Holy Ghost, and they know about it, and they talk about it, and then I've been to churches and preached, and, and how many want to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost? And many raise their hands. Not for a refilling. They want to receive the baptism. So when in looking at this subject, there's three factors to it. Repent, be baptized in water, and you'll receive the Holy Ghost. So let's go backwards on it. God, in the, Jesus, in the book of Luke, he said that God is more willing and will more quickly give you the Holy Ghost if you just ask him. He said, if you give a sandwich and a glass of milk and a little snack to your children and you being evil, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Ghost? Now, the other two books say good things. But in the book of Luke, it says, give the Holy Ghost unto them that ask him. So there's not going to be any hang-up or problem or delay with God. God says He's going to give it to you as easy as you give a snack to your children. Is that right? How much more shall your heavenly Father, He's more willing to give you the Holy Spirit, His own self, His own person, come into your life than you are even to share a snack or a lunch with someone. So that's easy. God keeps his word. He is going to fill. He's not tormenting and holding off and say, well, you haven't sought me long enough. You haven't begged long enough. None of that. So now we're, we're going backwards on it. Now we come backwards from getting the Holy Ghost. We come back to being baptized by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ. That's easy. That's easy. Once you have it revealed to your heart, you go and you get baptized. And most everyone of this message that says they do not have the baptism of the Holy Ghost have already been baptized correctly. So that's easy. That's done. Now it comes back to one thing, and that's repentance. And Brother Bram said, the only reason that you do not have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and he said a lot of things on that, one he says that you believe not. Another place, he says, is because, several places, you have not thoroughly repented. The word thoroughly is the key word to your repentance. 
God knows the heart. So if you have repented, it has to be thoroughly repented. And that's what Peter was talking about on the day of Pentecost. He was talking about a thorough repentance. Everything you thought about Jesus, set it aside, Peter was saying. Every idea you've had about the Old Testament, the New Testament, and all the Jews that's gathered in from all these nations, set it aside, and now you're going to have to believe this message that I'm preaching to you. Peter had a message. And you had to believe every word of that message. And I like to use Noah as a good example. Prime example, Brother Branham said there were large boats, maybe larger than his in that day. Another place he said they had a lot of little boats around. Oh, yeah. So if then another place he said, he said if there comes, a, uh, comes the rain, then we'll knock on the door and Noah will let us in. He's a kind man. And he was. He probably had men and persons helping him to erect that ship. Remember the Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship? They were all around and helping Brother Branham and getting the services and everything together. But when it came time to get in that ark, oh, no, 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 no. Now, we were glad to work for you and work with you a little bit, you know, but this is, you're way out on a limb with this one. But the key thing with Noah's message is you had to get in his ark. No other ark. You had to believe what he was saying. And you had to get in his ark. Not other, another little boat, you know, or another ship and whatever that was. Oh, we'll float on a log or something, and eventually we'll get to the top of a mountain. They were underwater, all the mountaintops. So you have to believe the message. Bride comes out of every church age. Foolish virgin comes out of every church age. We're not the only age that's going to have bride members. We receive the fullness of the word that Paul had. Each of the other ages had a portion, but that's enough for them. God says, that's enough. That's all I'm giving them. I'm opening, that's all we're doing in that age. And so if they believe that, that was their seal. They believed every word of that messenger in that day. So we come back to God will give you the Holy Ghost. And you can get baptized by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ, but it comes back to repentance. And only God knows your heart. The one baptizing you doesn't. No one else here. No one knows your life. Except you and God. Others know the pieces, this, that, and the other, but no one else knows. So when you get down to pray, if there's something between you and your Savior, then God will touch that. He won't condemn you. He will touch that and convict you. 
that needs to be repented of. That needs to be restored. There needs to be restoration on that point there. Not mom and dad, not the children, the boss, the husband, wife, God moving in on your life. You want the fullness of the Holy Ghost in your life? God wants to give it to you easily and quickly. This is what Brother Branham said. He said, after the day of Pentecost, there was no more tarrying. It's there. But you have to repent. A thorough repentance. And you just ask. You said, how much more, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Ghost unto them that ask Him? Ask Him. Not beg and pound the altar. But it'll all come back to that thorough repentance. Brother Branham goes on in many places. He says they go down a dry sinner and they come up a wet sinner. And they've been baptized. But they hadn't repented. Brother Branham said, you make God a liar if you do not receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost when you come up out of the water when you were baptized. So it's not God. So there has to be another factor, right? It can't be God. So it's right in that thorough repentance that between you and God, God will touch your life. You're living pretty good in front of somebody, but God sees your life. And if you listen to the discernments on many of the tapes, Brother Branham goes into the back life of some of these uh, patients that come by on the platform and touches them when they're just in high school or just very young, like in a Catholic church. He didn't do something right. And, and so God knows all of that. And he, and he repented of that, made it right, okay. It's called a thorough repentance. And that repentance has to be for this message. You might have been in a denomination and you got delivered of alcohol, drugs, or whatever. That was a true deliverance. God definitely cleaned you up from that. That's true. But a repentance is turn away from everything to this message. Or Luther's day, Luther's message. And each of the other six. But this is where we are. So on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's that sincerity before God to believe the whole message. It's the sincerity before God because we're not, we're not really wanting just an anointing. We're not just wanting what we had in Pentecost, for example. But this message brings something else. We're at the crossroads where you have to accept it because it is God's Word. We don't have a choice. It's God's Word, word by word. Now, coming back to James 4, 6, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Well, God multiplies grace now. So what I'm bringing in this message this evening is that Jesus Christ is alive in his bride, and that is God, who is, is grace, is within us. That's always going to be with you. If you walk in the, the way that, that he is showing us, then he will always be with you. 
He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He didn't forsake Adam. Adam went and hid. So we see who was hiding and who was running. God is looking for us. He'll have every son and every daughter there without exception. All that the Father hath given me, they will come to me. Because he is drawing. And not one will be lost after they heard all about it. Psalm 97, 1, the Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of isles be glad thereof. And God's grace has a purpose. 2 Corinthians 1, 12, for our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world, and more abundantly, to you, Word. To God, to the believers, our conversation has changed. God's grace has a purpose to change us. And then God's rapturing grace now, in Isaiah, Zechariah 4, 6, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Brother Branham even refers to the grace, the being a, a, the age of grace. This is the grace age. As far as church ages, there's only seven. We're still in that one. But while that's going on all around us in the world, that we are in the world in Laodicea, we are not of it. We have been lifted up into a grace age, an astronaut age. Hallelujah. We are not of this world, and we're not going to be condemned with this world. God has made arrangements to take us out early before the tribulation. Praise his wonderful name. God's rapturing grace is wonderful. It's so good to serve the Lord, isn't it? It's good to know, know that he's not tantalizing us. And, and another thing, he doesn't have favorites. We're not supposed to and especially a family with several children, you're in trouble if you favor the one. Because all the other kids, they see that. That's a no-no. You see the differences in abilities that all the kids have. And you love them all. But you want them all to succeed. And that's the same as God's attitude. All of his sons and daughters he loves, he cares for, None will be lost. He wants you all to succeed in doing his will. He has nothing harmful for you in the process. Only Satan comes to seek, kill, destroy, lie, murder. And he can't be the other. You can see right through it. Somebody's doing the wrong thing. 
God has you in mind in your ultimate end, rapture. He has an ultimate, the same as you have goals every day in your business or in your home or your individual life, you have goals. You set these goals, you work toward these goals, you do what's necessary to meet that goal, believing that if God has honored that for you to do, then you will be successful in that. Putting Him first. And God has a plan. And He's going to take His bride off of this earth. And um, I don't know when that'll be. So often Brother Branham said that could be tonight. Or he said it would be, could be tomorrow. Or 10 years or 20 years or 100 years. One place he says 500 years. That's quite staggering. But you know, most of the people of the message over the years, carnally, have got it all figured out, you know, when it's going to come, and then the year passes. I knew one minister of the message, and uh, every year, I mean, yes, every Easter, <laughs> it was that year it was going to be, and this is why, and then all these uh, ideas of men, you know. And I confronted him each Easter because they'd visit down our way. <laughs> One even went so far as to proclaim it was going to be a certain date. And he went further. He said, you mark my word. If it doesn't happen then, I'm a false prophet. I marked his word. <laughs> he was back for another visit, another Easter. And I reminded him. I said, you're a false prophet. <laughs> I greeted him for the Easter meetings. You're a false prophet. He said, yeah, I, was, I didn't get that one right. Um, but it just, that's detrimental to our children. You tell, some, you tell our children something that's not with the Word of God, whatever it is. And then it doesn't turn out that way. It's something different. What are those kids going to think about the rest of the message? And the rest of the things that you say? It's not going to work. We need to be honest. We need to be restrictive and not go beyond what God has called us to do. We need to know our place. And then our children see that and they grow up in a good atmosphere. So God doesn't have favorites of ones in His bride. But God does have favorites, people on the earth. Amen. And they're all in the bride. Amen. That's why Paul, or excuse me, John, in his epistles, Epistle 1, 2, and 3, he so much emphasizes love. And I'm not sure yet if I know the depths of that love. <laughs> for one another, uh, it'd be, it would have to be the same love that Jesus had when he died for us. That's deep love. <laughs> and then we say, oh, yes. Yes. I love my enemies. I love them that despise me. 
and do all manner of evil against me and persecute me. I love them. Well, that's a big chore. Jesus said that we had to do that. So it's the quality of love. It's not just a passing liking. Oh, here's a heavy one for you. For you. The prophet of God said to dislike someone is an evil spirit. You know the old adage, well, I love you, but I don't like you. So there's some kind of a strain there between a love definition and liking. That's strong. There's people that you rather to be with. Brother Branham said that. There's people that you'd rather be with than other people because maybe when you're with those other people, maybe they complain and argue and they don't believe the message and they have their own ideas. And Well, that can get wearisome. So if you had a choice that evening, you, you would get with someone that would be compatible with uh, the Word of God and the nature of God and the Spirit of God. I didn't watch my clock when I started. But we're going to conclude now. We don't know how soon our Lord will come. We, We all see everything the same. If you read the news... You can see the, the countries and the activities and Israel and nature. and We know all the parts. We know all the scriptures and all the prophecies and all the parts. But we don't know when it's going to culminate. And we can't figure it out. Could it go on another 500 years? The prophet said it could. But you know, with all... Our understanding, with our dates and numbers, it can't. Well, why did he say it then? He didn't say it because it will. It was definitely there as a number. We don't know when he's coming. And we want to be ready for our Lord. We want to be ready when it's time and we don't know it's like a thief coming in the middle of the night if you knew you'd prepare and and he wouldn't have got away with it and in this case it's a good thing Jesus is going to come and if you'd know exactly when he was coming then you would live different and you'd act different so we have to be reminded every day to be ready. And we can do that. It's very simple. He sent a prophet, and that prophet was God's spokesman to planet Earth. And we have all these wonderful messages preached under many circumstances, in many churches, in many full gospel businessmen, for example, and in many private churches, oneness churches, Trinitarian churches. And there's the message. 
It's a miracle when I think of how wonderfully God has done this. How he's brought up a young boy in Kentucky called William Branham, raised him in the way that he did, God doing this, like God raised you. But he has something different for William Branham to do. And I might add this too. Brother Branham said, they have the Holy Ghost, speaking of the ministers and speaking of the people, said, you have the Holy Ghost the same as I do. Brother Branham said, I don't have any more of the Holy Ghost than you or these ministers. Wow. See, when you're filled, you're filled. The prophet was filled with the Holy Ghost. The ministers are to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Moms and dads are to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And the woman's filled just as much as the man, just as much as the minister or the pastor or Brother Branham. We're all filled, filled. Now, what the difference is, is this person, Jesus Christ, that is now living in each individual in a spirit form, he's going to do something different through you than he does through you. And each one, God has a mind to do something with you, to do something through you. And you only got one prophet to the age, fulfilling those scriptures, William Branham, and he did his faithfully. Hallelujah. Thank God for a faithful prophet. We call him brother. He was an office, in an office of a prophet, a spokesman for God. And now this same one, see, they were all filled on the day of Pentecost. And you know something? That was Jesus coming back in spirit form. And he never left. So really, it's a manifestation that God is doing. So he came on the day of Pentecost, and he never left. He's here in spirit form in those that receive him. And he used those seven messengers in the way that was ordained according to prophecy. But it's comforting to know. That doesn't make us a big head to know that you have, you're filled the same as Brother Branham. It makes us humble. He was submissive to this person, Jesus Christ, that filled his life. And each man and woman and boy and girl here tonight, filled with the Holy Ghost, we are submissive to the Lord Jesus Christ in our life. He's there in spirit form. That's why we call it one body. The bride is one body of believers. Praise God. God has a purpose. As you read in Jeremiah and other scriptures, he has an intended end. He has you in mind. And you may not know the next turn. Like children, they say, we're well, almost there, Daddy. Yeah. And you're on a trip, and we almost there. I always told my children, when it's dark, we'll be there. <laughs> and when it was dark, we were always there. <laughs> or it was dark when we got there, yeah. Because daddy and mom, they don't know. Kids, it's relative. They, they don't understand the timing and so forth. And God knows that about us. He knows he wants us in anticipation, waiting, longing, looking, loving his appearing. So much.
We're going to ask the musicians if they'll come. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our blessed Heavenly Father, when you gave of your Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and you came and you filled your people in obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ, you came, Lord Jesus, to indwell your body on the earth. And now, Lord Jesus, we are anticipating your soon return. We've seen the prophecies. We see how all, all history and the world is and going and all the things that your prophet has told us. And yet, Lord, our hearts long for you. We long to come to your house. We want to live with you in that other civilization that is not of this world. We want to come and live with you, Lord, where it's not like this world, and there is no devil there. There's no Satan there. There's no angel of light to be cast out there. He won't get back there, and neither will anyone that loves a lie or believes a lie. They're not going to be there. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'll cleanse our hearts, our minds, our spirits tonight. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would move upon us and bring our minds our spirits in subjection to you in all matters, Lord. We conclude this service, Lord, asking for your workmanship within us. The message that we believe, Lord, may it continue to form us and make us the daughters and sons that you have in your mind. We want to be that finished work that comes through the hardships, the trials and tests that we must endure with the word within us. We endure these times on this earth. Bless each one that's here tonight, Lord. Bless every family represented, every man and woman and boy and girl. I pray, Heavenly Father, that there'll be a thorough repentance in every heart and you would fill with the Holy Ghost even while they're right in their seats, driving home or before they go to bed, meditating on you, meditating on their love for your word and emptying out themselves, and you will fill them. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask this for your glory. Amen. Amen. Let's uh, stand together, and we're going to sing the song that we began with. trying to bring it up on this little screen here. John was in the Spirit on the Lord's day.
Praise be to God. God bless you. Turn the service to Brother Tom. Thank you, Brother, Brother Tom. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody know anything about gold mining? I, I, I feel I was at uh, Barkerville tonight. When you're at Barkerville, you pan for gold. And I put a lot of pans in and got a lot of sand. That's terrible because your expectation is gold. And I want to say tonight, I went gold panning tonight, and I got a pan full of gold. Would you agree with me? That God gave us a lot of gold tonight that we can put in our pockets, put in our script bag, go home, rejoice, and thank God that we were in the house of God on a Wednesday night. God bless you, Brother Andy. Thank you. I kept on writing down my gold nuggets. I kept on writing them down. I thought, this is a good gold nugget, and this was a better one, and this is a gooder one. And I don't even know if those words are righter. But I know that I got one here that is really, really of gold. Stay in the comfort of God's Word. Shine that one up. Put that one before you tomorrow. Wake up in the morning and stay in the comfort of God's eternal word. And the peace of God will abide with you. Let's remember Brother John Andes. He's now, I think, leaving from Ethiopia to Malawi already. And he'll be there for another week, back next week. And Brother Timothy, his son is with him. So I think that'll be a, a great trip. And the students are going to prosper from that experience. I've heard Brother Tim's uh, different parents saying how great a teacher he was, Sharon. You should be proud of him. And we're proud of him. And I'm sure those experiences that he'll have in Africa be able to bring into his classroom and add another dimension that he'd not been able to do if he hadn't gone. So let's remember these men of God that are away. Remember one another in prayer. And thank God that he has called us to this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads once again before we go our way. Father, it's been good to be found in the house of God this evening. We see the world crumbling. We see them all in their fear and their upset. But Lord, we've heard the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ tonight. Lord, bless your servant. We so enjoyed the word of God. We pray, Lord, that we can take what we've heard, deposit it deep within our souls, and realize this world is not my home. We're just a passing through. Lord, it could happen at any time, as we heard tonight, as a thief in the night. And Lord, we're going to make sure our lamps are trimmed and lit and ready and filled with oil. Go with your children now with the blessing of God upon them, remembering our dear brother John Andes and brother Timothy as they're in Africa tonight. Lord, maybe a little lonely away from home, but we pray that the sweet Holy Spirit would visit them in a very special way. Lord, we've heard now our sister Billisberger is in the hospital. We ask, Lord, that you will visit her in her room. And how often we have seen you touch her time and time again. Lord, can we say then, like Samson, once more, Lord, touch our dear sister for your glory. Lord, would you go with us now as we leave the sanctuary, the 
presence of God. Bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, say the greatest thing you can say to one another. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you, Lord willing, on Sunday morning.